What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mysore Chakras, episode 184. The best way to predict your future is to create it. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, the show where we dive deep into the ancient world to uncover nuggets of wisdom that will help you find your life's purpose. This is one show where we believe that your body has a natural, innate ability to heal and that any disease or discomfort is due to blocked or stagnant energy. Today, we talk about the fascinating topic of Feng Shui, but before that, Let's listen to our latest iTunes review. Today's review is by a user named 36 Lucky Lucy. Wow, I like that name. Sashi writes, I learn something new every time. I'm so appreciative of what Aditya brings to the table. I've been with the podcast from the beginning and I've seen such growth from then and now. Keep doing what you're doing, Aditya. Lucy, thank you so much for being with us from the very beginning and witnessing the growth, the growth of our movement and the growth within you as well. Action Tribe, if you want your review to be read out as well, make sure you share your views, your thoughts and your experiences in the form of an iTunes review. Writing a review is really, really easy. If you're on your podcast app already, that's on your iPhone, just hit reviews and then hit write a review. You can also type in this link on your browser to jump directly onto the iTunes review page. The link that you need is my7chakras.com forward slash review, my7chakras.com forward slash review. And remember, uh, it's not just iTunes. You can you know write us reviews on Stitcher Radio as well as Google Play because the fact of the matter is that even one review from you is a giant leap for our movement. Because as I've shared earlier, reviews help us grow the movement and attract many more action takers just like yourself. And now, it's time to bring you our featured guest for today, Tanea Kohler. So Tanea, are you ready to inspire? Absolutely. That's amazing. So Tanea is the founder and CEO of TPK Feng Shui and Design. She's a feng shui and design consultant as well as a wife, mom, entrepreneur and space guru with a background and training in feng shui, interior design, architectural drafting, space planning and color. She delights in discovering design that unlocks the potential in your home. So Tanea, welcome to My 7 Chakras. Before we begin, tell us a bit more about your story and then we can continue. Thanks, AJ. So, so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I've been I've been doing the the whole feng shui space design for about uh, ten years. I've been studying feng shui for more than fifteen, and and have been really 
um, every step I take, so much of it is a practice and you get deeper and deeper. And every step I take is just uh, a whole new world of possibilities in terms of your home and allowing more ease into your life through your space. A whole new world of possibilities. That's what all of us are looking for, including someone who's listening to the show right now. Uh, so let's begin the show. As always, with a dose of inspiration, what is your favorite inspirational quote and how does that quote play out in your life? Well, you know, AJ, I had such a fun time looking around at the different quotes that I really that really do inspire me because I have quite a few. But what I'm sharing today with your listeners is um, from Abraham Lincoln, and it's the best way to predict your future is to create it. And that, to me, is all about conscious creation and about living intentionally and about having clarity around what you want without this concern for how you're going to get there. And I've found in my own world and with my clients that I work with that that's really the way to envision and create great things is by knowing what you want in the here and now and um, and feeling that in your heart so um, so deeply. I love that quote. The best way to predict your future is to actually create it. Action Tribe, you have this innate ability within you to create. Irrespective of whether you think you're creative or not, creative people are just those people who have recognized their gifts and are using it from time to time. But you also have that power of creation within you. But I think the uh, fact of the matter is that you need to have that dream or that vision in order to really tap into your creative gifts and to actually predict the future. So thanks a lot for sharing that wonderful quote with us, uh, Tanea. So my first question is, what exactly is feng shui? Um, good question. You know, it's a. I feel like it's an emerging field still in the sense that a lot of people really do know a lot about it. And some people have a very, um, you know, surface knowledge of it. And feng shui itself is really the practice of um, looking into utilizing powerful intentions around how you interact in your space. And there are the different um, kind of tribes of feng shui. There's ancient, ancient feng shui that um, is much more practiced in China still these days. And then it moved to northern China where the landscapes were different and the, the style of feng shui that kind of was originally created didn't really resonate there. And so it shifted there. And then when it moved to the States, it shifted again. And there's this lovely, the, the most wonderful part about that really is that because feng shui is all about the intention that you set in your space, the way that you utilize those intentions in terms of what method of feng shui you use um, really doesn't necessarily matter. But it's all about living in your space intentionally in that you are um, intentionally placing things in certain ways in order to allow greater flow. You're intentionally um, creating more space to allow opportunities to flow into your life. And, um, and so when you're, when you're doing that intentional work, you find that also the, the mindset piece comes in. And so you're being really intentional about your state of mind in your space and you're creating a space that supports a more easeful state of mind, a more, um, kind of relaxed state of mind and create space that allow you to really rejuvenate from your daily life. Wonderful. So what I'm getting is you're saying that it's, uh, utilizing powerful intentions to interact with and create or recreate your space, right? And by space, I guess you mean your home or your office space yeah. uh, and sort of using all of that, using those wonderful energies to get into the flow. So you also spoke about space design. How does that relate to feng shui? Yeah, absolutely. So whenever you look at um, the feng shui in someone's house, generally speaking, when, when people come to me, they are, it's because they're having some sort of um, issue in their life. Things are feeling stuck. Things are feeling stagnant. Relationships aren't going the way that they want. G career is feeling a little stuck or your abundance feels stuck. There's, there's all these different areas of your home that can really um, affect your well-being in different areas of your life in feng shui. And when you look at space design, um, I like to start really at the, the beginning stages. I work with quite a few people who are remodeling or building new or are looking for new homes because when you're building a home is really a fantastic time to, to create mm -hmm. feng shui, to create a space that flows and that is functional. And 
um, architects are really well, well versed at creating beautiful spaces, beautiful homes, particularly from the outside. And interior designers are really focused on creating really beautiful spaces from the inside. But the feng shui piece is really what links the two. And you look at the design of a space when it's, when it's physically designed the first time around or when you're remodeling it to make it flow more easily. And there are really simple changes that you can make in your space in order to make it, to make you sleep better in your bedroom and to allow your wealth to grow in your life and to allow your career to um, to be what you want it to be and not flow right out to your right out your door to allow your finances to stay with you and not flow out your door so there are different ways that you can design spaces in order to Mm -hmm. kind of maximize the um, the keeping of energy and the maintaining of energy and um, the flow of energy within a space does that make sense (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, it totally uh, makes sense. I'm trying to relate it to uh, some of the energy practices that many of our listeners are already aware of. So, for example, if you feel uh, stuck or feel some level of stagnation in some part of your body, uh, you know, stuff like Qigong or Tai Chi can help resolve that stagnation and enable flow once again uh, and overcome disease or maybe some distress or stress. Uh, but what if you feel stuck and stagnant in your home? So, your 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 body is okay, but what if you feel stagnant in your home? And I think that's where feng shui uh, and space design come into play, especially if you're moving into a new place. So the interior designer or the person, the consultant can help you design your home in such a way that you get better sleep, you're healthy, you feel good, and you're able to attract love and prosperity as well. Now, speaking specifically about you, what type of uh, feng shui do you practice? You know, I practice the more Western style of feng shui, and that Really, it's because I've studied both. I've studied um, kind of all the versions of feng shui, and that's the one that resonated the most with me as a Western listener, as a Western, you know, um, taker in of information. <laughs> and um, and so that style is much more um, intuitive. A lot of the practices, when people realize um, what um, what good feng shui is, they said, oh, that was my intuition. So, for example, when um, in feng shui, there's something called the commanding position, and this means that from where you sit in your on your couch or in your bed or at your desk or at your stove and all these places where you really want to be able to relax fully or focus or put good energy into your food in all of those places you want to be in command of your space and that means that you can see the main door into your space from where you stand that you don't have your back to that door and your subconscious is constantly wondering what's going on behind you so we're in when you're in that commanding position your subconscious body kind of relaxes a little bit so that you're able Mm -hmm. to be present and be where you need to be either that focusing on your work or relaxing or rejuvenating your body and so for example people in your bedroom you want to be able to set up your bed so that from where you sit you see the door but you're not in the path of the door and that actually happens to be the place where you feel most comfortable I've worked with quite a few people who've said oh yeah you know I had my bed up against the same wall as the door but I had to look behind to see you was coming in and that felt really uncomfortable and so often your intuitions that you have about your space and how you feel in your space there you're moving yourself toward that positive feng shui it's all about these really subtle but really deeply ingrained intuitions that we all have so is that a commanding position recommendation for people who, who are trying to set up their working desk at home like people who work at home absolutely yeah when you set up your desk at home it's really wonderful to be in that commanding position and i myself have had desks in many different positions, even as a feng shui practitioner. And I will say that um, the commanding position in your desk means a few things. Again, it means you're kind of further from the door, from the entrance, as far from the entrance as you can be and still be able to see the entrance. And so often what I find with people in their in their work spaces, be that at home or in their office, they tend to put desk up yeah. against a wall. And, um, and when you have your desk up against a wall, When you're sitting there working, you literally feel like you have this wall in front of you because you do, but it translates over into your work. You feel like your work is more difficult, like you can't see that vision of the future, like there's no space in front of you to grow. And Mm -hmm. so when you are setting up your home office, it's really wonderful if you can pull your desk off the wall and enable yourself to see the door from where you stand. And that generally takes a little creative thinking on listeners' behalf, (laughs) and it often you know, in, in some spaces, I would say the, the smaller percent of spaces, but in some spaces, you're not able to do that. And 
I have lived and worked with people in very small spaces too. So I don't know, you know, people live in a whole range of spaces and often people think because they're in a small space, they don't have the same range of possibility. And that's true to a very, you know, small degree, but really I've found in all the small spaces that I've lived in and, and helped people in, you can almost always accomplish that. So when you're not able to accomplish that commanding position at your desk, the nice thing about feng shui is there's always things that you can do to modify the space so that you feel good sitting there, mm-hmm. even though your space is a little bit um, restricted in that matter. So, for example, if you are sitting at your desk and you're up against a wall and you can't envision a way to set up your desk in a different way in that space for whatever reason, then you can put a landscape painting in front of you so that you have that depth of vision so that when you mm-hmm. look into it, you can see far into the future. And if you're in a space where you're unable to have your to be able to face the door, if you have your back to the door, you can put up a mirror that reflects the door from where you sit so that you can see the doorway coming in. You can see all the people coming in. It oh, puts okay. your subconscious at ease so that you're able to really focus on your work and be more productive. So I love those two tips. One is put like a wallpaper or something like that that can help you uh, have space for your vision to grow, right? And the other thing is uh, put a mirror so that you can see the reflection of the door especially if you can't move your desk around. Is that correct? Right. Got it. So you've alluded to this a while back, but where does this practice originate from? Could you talk to us a bit about the origins of feng shui? Yeah, absolutely. So feng shui originated in southern China and and then eventually migrated up into northern China. And, and the origins of feng shui are very much about your landscape around you and where you should put your home in relation to streams and mountains. And so it's, um, and so it's a practice that doesn't um, relate as much to um, your listener, most likely, and as much as much to um, people in modern day society, and that's why it's shifted over the years. And um, and not very often you'll find, you know, some people are still able to position their homes when they build them, and they have a little bit more space. They're able to position their homes in relation to the sun, and of course that practice is coming back more and more. People are really realizing the benefits of that, and people used to do that much more, and so. So that style of feng shui really applied much more easily to homes that were positioned towards the sun in order to take advantage of um, natural sunlight and heat gain and whatnot. And mm. um, and since our modern day society is not necessarily set up that way, I think I believe that that's also why some of the shifts occurred. So when it eventually shifted into the states, um, it it became much more. Um, palatable for a Western listener and enabled a Western listener to really benefit from the positive effects of feng shui and understand it. And the original, the origins of feng shui tend to be a little bit more superstitious. So some of your listeners may have heard of feng shui in a way that, um, you know, when, you know, when you, when your door faces south and, you know, you, you need to place this certain object outside your door in order to change the energies of the south and and didn't it wasn't necessarily the intuitive side of feng shui and i find that when people utilize the intuitive side of feng shui um, the rest of it comes really naturally and so i don't necessarily resonate with the the origins of feng shui that are very superstitious because that's just not me <laughs> but mm-hmm. but um but it's really interesting how it has shifted um over the years in order to accommodate um the ways that our societies have shifted and changed and culturally are very different love that so i think our community also believes in the same thing so even if it's a superstition uh what is the best method to follow in such a situation is to take action try it out and see whether it makes sense for you and if it makes sense that's great but if it doesn't make sense then you can try something else right so like you sort of suggested you need to tap into your intuition and also see whether it makes sense for you or not. Your intuition is going to give you that answer. Now, as we record this interview, we're getting ready to enter a brand new year, a phase during which many people make big changes in their lives. So why should a person pay attention to feng shui today? Yeah, good question. You know, um, I love this period when we're about to enter the new year, especially here in December, because I feel like you have all that excitement and wonder and curiosity that's still coming. And I feel like the new year comes and it passes and people make resolutions and oftentimes those fall under the wayside. And what I have found about 
that that ability to transform your life in the ways that you really want to transform it, which is really what resolutions are all about, is that oftentimes people will, um, for example, people will go to some sort of really wonderful workshop or weekend retreat or something where they feel a shift, a transformation, something really inspired them to make a change in their life in order to feel better in their body or in their mind or in their space. And, and oftentimes people get back home and they find that they go back into all their old patterns and it's really difficult to make that transformation outside of that really like transformative, amazing, inspiring, um, you know, space where they learned that it's hard to transition that back into their daily life. And so when I work with people, um, what I, you know, what I tell people is that you can change your life, you can transform your life by changing your, your body, your mind or your environment right? You can change any one of those three things and it will have a pretty significant impact on the other two. Mm -hmm. And I, of course, work with the environment piece. But what I always recommend when people have some sort of really inspirational moment where they are ready to transform something, I recommend that they take something in their space that they've been having in intuition about like, oh, I really, I'm not loving the setup of my living room. I recommend that people take a large something, a couch, right? Or a bed or a big heavy chair and and, and move it somewhere else. Shift your space in order to represent that shift that you're looking for in the rest of your life. And when you're able to do that, it's really amazing what happens because it opens up these spaces that were not open before. And it opens up that ability for you to grow and transform in the ways that you'd like to. And you know, the space itself has when you when you every day when you walk in your space, you have these same patterns that you walk within your house. Everybody does, right? I do. And everybody has them. And they're the same patterns where you get in and you put your stuff down and you go to the fridge or, you know, whatever it is that you do next when you go to bed at night and the things that you do. And you're walking these same patterns through your space. And so your space can really have this um, effect on you that makes it difficult to change because all your patterns in your space are the same, these same habits and patterns. And when you're looking to shift a, a habit or shift a pattern, when you shift your environment, it opens up these inner spaces. So in feng shui, way your your space is very much a reflection of yourself it's a reflection of your body it's a reflection of your mind and when you open up the spaces within your environment you're able to open up different avenues in your mind different channels for growth or um or changing something about your body or your mind and so the the three really are so interconnected and so i love this time of year because it's really easy to be inspired to shift and you know oftentimes people are shifting their spaces you know if your listeners if you have many christian listeners they may be putting christmas trees inside their spaces or changing their space in order to accommodate um a, a festive time of year and so what i find that it's a really great time to shift your space anyway and to allow that new energy and it's about the the physical cobwebs that you're removing in your space. Whenever you shift a big couch, you realize that there's just dust and debris and, you know, in, in my home, little toys and all kinds of things underneath that couch. And you clean that all up. And all of that debris that's sitting on your floors and on your surfaces has to do with your emotional state of mind. And when you clean that up, it's like cleaning away the stagnant stuff that's no longer serving you in your life, that emotional um, kind of detritus that that settles in us all. And when you clean that out in your space, you're able to clean that out within your, your inner body also, your spiritual body. And it's a really powerful practice. Wonderful. So I love that you said that your space is a reflection of yourself. And sometimes because of the lack of change, you get accustomed to how you feel, think and believe, right? Because you're seeing the same space maybe for many years in, in, in many people's lives. So if you change your space or if you can't change your space, if you change the way your space looks by changing your upholstery, maybe ch you know changing the paint or maybe changing uh, the position of your sofa and, and, and your chairs, uh, you not only will uh, see different, but you'll feel different as well. And that will uh, affect uh, how your outlook is towards life and the action that you take. So a lot of it based on what I understand is experimentation. Uh, and and change uh, and we all uh, uh, you know try to avoid change uh, at times but sometimes in this case when you change the way you look at your room uh, you will feel and change uh, as well internally yeah you know and I always really encourage people it is about 
experimentation and listening to your intuition and really um, going back to that sense. But it's also about, you know, when a, and that's what I always encourage people to begin with that intuition, because it is powerful. But when you really are, um, when you're really wanting to see a powerful change in a particular area of your life, the, the, what, what I bring to, to clients that I work with is that you're able to look at that specific area of your life and that specific area of your space that reflects to that, that is reflective of it. So in feng shui, there's something called a bagua map and it takes these nine mm-hmm. areas of your life. So your relationship and your career and your abundance and your, um, your helpful people in your life, all these different areas, and they are mapped out on your space in a very specific way. And so it's this really wonderful diagnostic tool to be able to go into your space and saying, I'm having difficulty in my relationship right now. It feels stuck. It feels stagnant. I don't know how to get from where I am right now to where I want to be to this ideal relationship that I envision. And so then you look at that specific area of your space and you see what is reflected in that space that is stuck, that is stagnant, that feels like it's reflective of your past and not of your future. And you can shift specific things in that space. And when you do that with intention around how you're creating opportunities within your relationship to to grow and to develop and to transform together, then it creates a really powerful thing. And so it's all about the intention of how you change your space and the shifting of your space. And it is experimental, and I always recommend people experiment, but it's also about really making your space reflect the life that you want to live. So whatever that looks like for you, if it looks like you want a balanced life that is easeful, then often that that means really clearing out the clutter and the things that are cluttering your your vision in your space because when you clear those out all of a sudden you have so much more space yep. within your mind in your head and also in your physical space love that so i love the fact that you spoke about the bagua map and you sort of were alluding to the process that you use with your clients to help them overcome a particular challenge or a block that they're experiencing in their life right so could you talk to us a bit uh, more about the process of how you work with uh, uh, with your clients what's what's the process like maybe from start to finish from when they reach out to you and 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 to actual implementation yeah absolutely so in the work that i do with clients it's really varied and so um the first thing is really listening to people and finding out where they are okay. um in order to figure out if i can help them and how i can best help them and so you know for for a certain percentage of my clients that's really the you know they're caught in that overwhelm and that cycle of busyness and they just feel like life is one damn thing after another, excuse my language. And so, you know, so for a client that is in that sort of space, we're really looking at simplifying their space in order to simplify their life. Because when you fill your space with only the things that you love, then all of a sudden your life becomes full of only the things that you love. You're able to say no to the things that don't resonate for you. You're able to um, spend time with the people who really, you know, fill your bucket, who really fill up your soul. And um, and so for a client that is in that space, you would look to the clutter and the space. And um, I run a course around clutter that's called Clear Your Space, Clear Your Mind. And it's all about really honing your possessions down to the ones that you love. And it's about looking at that Bagua map. And so we bring in that feng shui to set really powerful intentions and look at your Bagua map and really pay attention to where you are in your space. So we start with the closet, for example. That's really the best place to start with with your clothes. And when you Mm -hmm. go through your clothes and you keep only the ones that really inspire joy, and we're talking about this physical, visceral joy that you feel in your body, right? You're, you're pulling yourself yeah. out of your rational mind and you're getting into how something actually makes you feel. And so when you start with your closet, we look to what area of your home that is. And so for example, my closet is in my self-knowledge and wisdom area of my home. That's all about my, um, the, the wisdom that I personally have in my life. And when you mm-hmm. hone your clothes down to only the ones you love, As I go through that process, I'm thinking about how I am cleaning out all the old things that no longer serve me in my self-knowledge and wisdom. And I find that whenever I'm feeling a little bit blocked in that area, I'm able to look at my physical space and say, what's going on in my physical space right now? And I say, oh, I haven't put my laundry away for a week or, oh, I've, Mm -hmm. you know, the papers are really, you know, 
piled up on my desk, whatever it is. And I, and I know that that's the time to really go in and clear that physical space out in order to clear the mental blocks in my space. So, so for the clients who, who are feeling that overwhelm and that busyness, that's that, that route that, that I send most of them down. And I find that that kind of group process is really powerful for that transformational growth that keeps you accountable. You have people who are going through the same experience at the same time with you because as you go through your things, everything we own is related to our past, right? No matter if it came into our lives today or if it came into our lives, you know, if it's, an, it's, if it's a piece that got passed down from your ancestors, everything in your mm-hmm. space has to do with your past. And so as you go through those things and determine which of them really bring you joy, it brings up all kinds of past experiences. And, um, and so we work a lot with the mindset blocks that can, that can hold you back and keep you stuck in those places. So that's a really powerful route. And then there's a handful of clients that I work with privately who just need a little bit more fine tuning. And the the clutter piece isn't necessarily their challenge, but they're looking to, again, unstick a certain area of their life. So, um, you know, relationship wise or career wise or abundance wise or your health, your health is a really, um, a really wonderful way to um, inspire your good health in your body is to really look at your space. And in feng shui, the, um, the health area of your home is the very center of your home. And oftentimes in our homes, the very center is closets. It's um, that get really packed and really full and really stagnant. They don't open up. They don't see the light of day very often. And so that can, um, that can begin to cause health problems in your life when those things, when your, when your spaces aren't flowing as well. Um, So, so when I work with clients, they're starting off from that space of stuck stagnation, something's not flowing, not feeling right. And it can be that, um, that overwhelm or the stress. Often at times, you know, our homes are really designed to be these places where we're able to have this rest from our day to day. And what I've found this modern day and age where we, we all have so much stuff, there's stuff constantly coming into our spaces and filling up our spaces and our lives. What I find is that people get to this place where they're feeling like their home is a source of stress. So they have more, they walk into their home and all they see is this long to-do list of stuff that they have to do around them. And we have all this stuff really, um, it takes up a lot more time than we realize. You know, you spend time mm-hmm. organizing it and putting it away and fixing it when it breaks and deciding what to do with it when you don't want it anymore. And all of these things, all these ways we really, it's a time suck to have all these stressors in our home. And so we've come to this place where our homes often are no longer this, this source of um, respite and rejuvenation that we really desperately need from the busyness and that um, that external kind of, energy that we receive from the world, we really need to be able to retreat into ourselves as well. And our home is really that reflection of ourself. And so when it is that calm retreat, we're able to rejuvenate from our day to day. We're able to really live um, and be present in our lives outside of our home by having a home that is a little bit more stress-free, that is more relaxing and rejuvenating. And um, and so people are starting off from that place of overwhelm. And really, by the time I'm done, and I've I've begun working with clients through courses and privately for you know three six year long periods, three months, six month, or year long periods, because that's really where you see the transformation. And um, what I found when I worked with clients before, um, before I transitioned into that. Um, into that really powerfully transformative mode, I would have a consultation with a client, give them all these great ideas, and it was kind of overwhelming, the amount of information. And so now I spread it out over a three-month period or a six-month period, and and I can kind of drip it in where they're needing it most in terms of um, where they're seeing stagnation in their life. Love that. So a quick question before we move on. Is there an industry standard or certification for a feng shui home, you know, like a LEED certification or something like that? 
You know, there's not. <laughs> I like that idea, though. You know, and what I would say about that is that, you know, in a LEED certification, you know, you have these green standards about how your home is built and and you can put those into place and they remain for, you know, a, a long period of time for 10 years, 15 years, you know, your windows will be well sealed or whatever it is. And so, but with feng shui, it really all, it's all about this constant practice. And so it's not like because I'm a feng shui expert, I have feng shui my house and then it remains that way and it's just perfectly in alignment all the time, right? It's very much more, it's all about the change and the transition and what we're bringing into our lives and how we're changing as individuals on any given day. And so I find that what, you know, when I, when I went through my stuff, you know, in terms of looking at this stuff piece, when I went through my stuff a year ago, the, the joy that things brought me, my joy shifts over that year and change changes based on my experiences and my growth as a human being. And so now, you know, if I go through my closet again, I'll realize, oh, I have all these pieces that, that no longer bring me joy. And they really did for a while. And that was wonderful. And I'm able to thank them and let them go. And so it's all about that shifting, changing sands of life. That's just the way that it is. And, and feng shui is really about that flow of energy. And so even a space that simply sits and rests, you know, that doesn't have any human interaction. It's collecting dust and it's collecting debris and it's collecting those kind of slower energies. And so a space like that is even going to feel different than a space that has a lot of active energy in it. And so you can't certify a home feng shui unless, you know, you could certify a home as really a feng shui home if from the start when you build it, you look at those pieces. Absolutely. And I don't think there is a certification, but maybe I'll create one because it really is powerful when you do it from the start. (laughs) Amazing. So what advice do you have for someone who wants to attract financial prosperity in their home? What should they do or not do? Yeah, absolutely. You know, everybody always wants, I mean, that's a big piece for people, right? Well, the wealth piece, if I could do something in my space to bring more wealth into my life, like clearly I want to do that. And so I'm glad you brought that up. Your wealth area of your home, really, there's so many different things. So the first thing is to get really clear on what that means for you. What do you want in a abundance in your life? What do you want a wealth of in your life? And that could be money, clearly. That could be, you know, balance. That could be love. That could be so many different things for different people. So you get, you first get really clear on what kind of abundance you do want, what kind of wealth you want in your life. Because what I find oftentimes is people complain about what they don't have in their life, but not often are they focusing on what they do want. And when you shift your focus onto what you do want, all of a sudden you're you're spending your energies there. So in feng shui, there's something called the um, law of attraction. And it's outside of feng shui too. It's this it's scientific principle that like attracts like. And so you see that in your physical space. I know that everyone's had the experience of coming into their home and putting their mail down on the dining room table. And then, you know, going about their day, doing different things. And by the time you get back to it, there's, you know, your coffee mug is also there and your phone is there and the laundry you haven't put away yet is there. It collects because you have this something that is not where it belongs and it collects more and more things that aren't where they belong, right? So it's in their physical space, but you also see that um, principle of like attracting like um, in your um, in your mental space. So wherever you spend your energy, your time thinking about, that's what you get more of. So the idea is that the universe doesn't know what you what you want and what you don't want. It just knows how you spend your time and your energy, what you spend your energy thinking about and it gives you more of that. And so the idea that if you're thinking about what you want, you're going to attract more of what you want, like attracts like. And so in the abundance area, I mean, this is for any area of your life, but in your abundance area, you first get really clear on what you want and not on how you're going to get there necessarily, right? You forget about the hows, you drop the how, and you're just allowing yourself to be really idealistic and clear about where you want to be. doesn't matter how you're going to get there. And then when you spend, and, and then you get that good feeling inside of you. And when you have that good feeling, you know you've struck gold because it's the feeling really that you have. And then I really encourage my clients to take note of all the ways so you get clear. If you decide you want 
abundance of you want an abundance of money you want an abundance of um, love in your life you want an abundance of balance or ease then you pay attention in your life to all the ways in which you are finding ease and balance and love and money and feeling good about those things. And so the abundance piece is particularly, as you notice more and more of those things in your life, you're just attracting more and more of that to you. You're noticing the little manifestations that are happening in order to get you that greater manifestation. And they say that 99% of manifestation is all in the non-physical world until you get to the, to the, you know, what you really want. But your goal is this constantly changing. And so it's important to revisit that daily or weekly, what you really want, because as you open up that door into that vision, into what you want, all of a sudden you're coming from it in a place, not of lack, but in a place of abundance where you can see what you want. And all of a sudden a door opens that you never would have thought of before, right? Or people come into your life that are really um, important and just who you needed at that time. And the more you recognize that, the more you get of it. And so in the abundance field, there's so many different pieces. There's that big mindset piece about really focusing on what you want instead of the lack of it. But the money piece I find, you know, myself and all 100% of my clients that I work with or 99% of my clients I work with have money issues that come up at one point or another in the work that I do with them. And that's because in our society, and I mean, so many societies, we have all these negative connotations around money, right? Like people are stingy or they're greedy or they're, all these different things that you can be when you have a lot of money. And so people say, oh, I want to earn a lot of money. I really want to, I want to be successful by earning money. And then they spend their time thinking about money in these negative ways. You're never going to get that big wealth of money because it are two totally different feelings. And so, um, and so you really have to get clear on what you want what on you have to you have to change your story around money in order to feel good about money. And so one really easy way to do that, I find that was a really nice way for me to start is that I, whenever I got a bill or whenever I paid for something at the store, I was just really thankful, right? I got my electricity bill and I said, thank you so much for making it so that I can turn on my lights, you know, and take a warm shower and all these things and just be really thankful that somebody provides that service and all the work that went into that service. And so being really thankful around your money, going to the store and, you you know, paying for your food and saying, oh my goodness, I'm so thankful that I have this, you know, nutritious food that I can feed myself with and that I can pay for it instead of being, instead of feeling stressed out about a purchase. And so, so it's about shifting your mindset full, you know, in terms of drawing what you want near. And it's about shifting your story around money so that it's a positive story. And then you get to the space piece and you can change any one of those three things, but and get a shift, but really all three kind of meld with each other. And so in your space, in terms of the, the actual physical feng shui, <clears throat> what you can do in your space is really open up space for opportunities to come and find you. And the way that you do that is by letting go of what doesn't serve you. And so that's physically moving stuff out of your house that no longer serves you, that brings you down, that makes you feel guilty every time you look at it. You know, so often in our society, people keep gifts that don't really resonate for them, weren't you know, something that they would have bought for themselves, but they feel guilty getting rid of it because it was a present. And what I always say around that is, you know, when you have a gift that you don't like, then every time you see it, you think, oh, I really don't love that. You know, your subconscious often, I don't really, I really don't love that, but I can't get rid of it because my grandma gave it to me and, um, you know, I would feel badly about that. And so you're associating your grandma with this feeling of not feeling good with this guilt and your grandma doesn't want you to associate her with this feeling of guilt, right? And so mm -hmm. whenever you let go of something like that and say, you know what, I have other ways that I remember my grandma, I actually have, you know, three other things of hers that she made for me that I really love or whatever it is, these other ways, it opens up the possibility for you to have a different relationship with that person. And so in your abundance area, your abundance area of your home, if you're looking at the physical space is the back left corner of your home, right? So mm -hmm. if you're at your front door and you open up your front door, it's kind of the back left square of of your home, back left corner of your home. And whatever area that is for you, for me, that's my bedroom. If you have spaces in there that 
feel a little bit more full, that feel a little crowded, that you have more stuff that, you know, doesn't really serve you, that you don't love. Whenever you can clear that stuff out, you're making space for new abundance to come into your life. So <laughs> when you say back left corner, yes. are, you, are, you look, are you referring to back left when you're looking or staring at the front door? Yeah. So if you're at your front door, not the door you most commonly use, but your front door where the numbers are. Yeah. You open up that door and, you know, in most homes that are square, <laughs> your front door is in your career or journey area if it's in the center. And so when you open up that door, the back left corner of your home from where you stand, does that make sense? So from where you stand and you're looking outside the home or are you looking inside the home? When you're looking inside your home, inside or outside, but we're looking at the inside of your home. So when you're inside your home, okay. the back left corner of your home and, you know, for some people that oh, okay. spatial thinking is easier than for others, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it. So thanks a lot for that you've given us a couple of uh, really amazing insights you spoke about the importance of clearly defining what me wealth means to you particularly and getting in touch with your emotions and feeling what it would feel if you already uh, have attained uh, that goal and feeling grateful for uh, things that you already have uh, for the fact that you can pay for your bills for your food and whatnot and then letting go of stuff that no longer serves you my question is over the years what are some of the transformations that you've seen in people's lives after they've implemented feng shui you know it's really powerful and it's nice to look at it over the span of some months you know you can switch thing switch things in your home and immediately feel an easing but oftentimes it takes a little time so i'll give you an example of um, a woman that i worked with and she had recently moved into a home of her own she'd split up from her partner and um and they had a child together and she moved across town and moved into a space of her own and she runs a preschool and so in her you you know, in the majority of her home is this really lovely Waldorf style, all nature, lovely preschool that's set up in a beautiful way. And so her space that she had to herself was really her bedrooms, kind of this master suite with a bedroom and a walk-in closet and a, and a bathroom. And so that actually turned out to be the relationship area of her home also. And your bedroom is not always your relationship area, but for her it was. And so she was really looking for, she felt like she had never had a partner that really saw her for who she was and really loved her unconditionally. And she was just really yearning for that unconditional love that somebody really saw her and loved her for who she was. And she was feeling really stuck around that. And she had a lot of, she had a lot of stuckness around her self-confidence also, right? And so in feng shui, you're always looking at kind of the, uh, the opposing side of the bagua also and opposing the relationship side is your self-knowledge and wisdom. And we all know that, you know, in order to love somebody fully or be compassionate with someone else, you have to really love yourself and be compassionate with yourself. And so yeah. she and so we were working with those two forces. And so in her actual bedroom, we looked at her bedroom and there were really small shifts that we made. I mean, some small shifts, some slightly larger. And so her bed itself was this um, antique bed. It was hers growing up. And it was, you know, a really lovely kind of um, metal bed with these, um, you know, bars coming down and, and rounded and, and very sweet and lovely. Right. But in feng shui, when you you really want a bed that is wooden and solid and that's because when you mm. the metal really attracts the electromagnetic um, energies around you and so it can make it difficult to sleep there's all kind of studies that have been done around the electromagnetic field and how it can be disruptive to sleep and so a metal bed frame is not the best in feng shui there are things that you can do but she wasn't attached to the bed and it also had these bars coming down and when you have a bed that has bars coming down it can really feel like you're kind of in jail almost in your relationship you feel incarcerated you know, it's not a it's not a positive thing. And so mm -hmm. she was not attached to the bed. She'd been looking for a new bed anyway. And so she was able to find a bed that had this nice solid um, wood headboard and um, that had a lot more solidity to the relationship. And that can really be a backing in your relationship. She put it into the commanding position so that she could see the door. She felt really comfortable. And she was also having problems sleeping. And so um, that can really aid your problem sleeping. We cleared out underneath the bed, which can cause um, problems with your sleep as well, because you're literally, literally sleeping on top of whatever is down there, the energies that they have. And those can be very active energies that aren't conducive to sleep. 
And we had her unplug her Wi-Fi, which was right in her room, which can also contribute to poor sleep. And what else did we do in there? She really set up this space intentionally in order to reflect the relationship that she wanted. And so she started putting things in pairs instead of things that were just solitary figures. She -hmm. started really thinking about what kind of relationship she did want and doing that self-work around the clearing out of space and the clearing out of old energies that were no longer serving her and the processing of those old emotions that came up, which the self-confidence is really always linked to those past emotions that were all those little nuggets that we all hold inside of ourselves that we haven't been ready to release yet. And so the behind her, behind the bedroom, which is in her relationship area, was also her bathroom and her walk-in closet. And she'd always had, you know, around the self-confidence issues, she'd had a lot of problems finding clothes that fit her, that she liked, that she loved. And we went through the joy process of really keeping what brought you joy within her closet. And that really created a shift for her. And, and then in the bathroom, because your toilet is your largest drain of energy in your home, it can really drain away energies. And so you can place something above your toilet. It can be anything, really something that you like to look at. It literally draws your gaze up and draws the energy up from the toilet. And so she placed something above her toilet to draw those energies up. She really got more clear around her self-confidence in her closet and her clothing. She put her bed in the commanding position. And I do not lie when I say that within... I think it was two months, she met this man of her dreams that she is still together with, that she feels fully seen and heard. And she's just ecstatic because she's never had a relationship like that before that feels like she has space and also like she's fully, um, you know, enveloped and understood. So it can be a really powerful transformational process, but it it is a process of looking through those past emotions. It's very, um, very rarely is it an an immediate shift because often there's mindset work that goes along with it. Love that. Thanks a lot for sharing. Action Tribe to access the show notes for today's episode, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 184. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 184. Do you have the patience to wait until your mud settles and the water is clear? This is an amazing quote by Lao Tzu and this was featured in the book Tao Te Ching. Action Tribe, the pain that you have in your life right now is not going to last forever. The challenges that you are facing will one day be over. But unless you have the patience to wait till that day, life is going to be very hard for you. It really doesn't have to be that way. Every day, find out one way to overcome your challenge. Reach out to people who've overcome this challenge in the past. You may read books or take courses that will provide you the skills to get past this challenge. But most importantly, have faith. Because when the water is clear, you will have become a transformed human being. So Tinea, talk to us about a time when you experienced a massive challenge. How did you enter that situation? And then what steps did you take to overcome it. Yeah, you know, um, I have two children. I have a seven-year-old son and a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and um, and I have certainly been in places where I found parenting to be really challenging. And I had this story in my head around, you know, parenting is hard. <laughs> parenting is hard, and that's really what I was finding. And of course, that's um, what happens when that's the story playing in your head. And so, you know, I um, I was just having a really difficult time with my son being this patient, present parent, as I'm sure parents out there will fully um, resonate with and and also having this you know second child in the mix and the and the way they play with each other and so as I was you know experiencing kind of months of feeling this like um, this weight and this stagnation this feeling like I don't know how to deal with this I thought you know what <laughs> I'm gonna look to my space and he thought you'd think as a feng shui consultant expert it would have it I would have been able to do that sooner but it everybody you know it takes this time and this and this um, this uh, perspective and sometimes in your own in our own spaces, it's a little bit hard to have that perspective. And so I looked to the the children and joy and productivity and creativity area of your home. That's one area of your home. And it in my particular home, it's this staircase down into the basement, and it's kind of dark, and it comes right from the side door. There's just a really mm-hmm. short 
um, kind of stoop that goes right down into the stairs and right down into the basement. And in feng shui, stairs are kind of a missing area in your home. And so I thought about what I wanted that area of my life to really look like. You know, I wanted to be more playful with my kids and patient and curious. I wanted to be able to really live that daily curiosity with them. And so I looked to my space and I thought, how can I make this space reflect that playfulness and that curiosity instead of this kind of downward momentum that, you know, I would clearly into this down deep darks of my, of my basement. That's kind of what I would expect to see is kind of lack of hope or lack of vision. And so I, um, I, I happen to be a relatively, um, hands-on creative person. And I created these little like paper balls that were just so playful and, um, and that I loved so much. They brought me so much joy. Right. And I, and I hung them in my stairway up above the stairs themselves to really draw that energy up and to remind me of that, that playfulness and that creativity and that joy that I really wanted to have while I was parenting. And I won't say that it was an automatic shift, but what I will say around that is that it opened doors into different um, resources that I had within myself and resources that I had within my community and um, which enabled my children to open up areas of themselves. You know, the way that I interact with them enables them to open up or to close down based on how I respond to, you know, their queries. And so, and so as I was able to be more open around that, they were able to open up and there's been an, a remarkable shift and it's probably been a year since I did that. And I've seen a remarkable shift in the last six months. It's just been amazing how different it feels to parent when your story is much more centered around the the playfulness that you want to allow to surface in your own life. Wonderful. So looking back now for our listeners in just one sentence, what is it one major life lesson that you'd like to share? One major life lesson in one sentence. Okay. Let's see, you know, um, something that resonates about the quote that you said earlier, and which is a mantra for me in my life is, this too shall pass. And it's not about necessarily saying like, when you're in it, when you're in a bad place, it will get easier. It is about that. But it's also about reminding yourself that when you're in a really sweet spot, and life is really good, to really enjoy it and be in the present, because it'll pass, right? Everything's a cycle, and things will get more difficult, and then easier again, and more difficult. But when you're really able to be in the present and enjoy that present moment, it enables you to enjoy the journey instead of just the destination. Love that. So thanks a lot for sharing your story. You uh, share with us that story about uh, it being hard at one point as a parent with two children at your home right and you were experiencing a level of stagnation for a certain months uh, and it seemed like nothing seemed to work and then you sort of uh, did some analysis and you found out that that space uh, your stairway space which should ideally be associated with joy and productivity was actually mm-hmm, uh, right. leading to darkness and gloom, right? And uh, you, you, you thought of using some uh, creativity on your part to make it more about curiosity and playfulness. And so you created those paper balls. And uh, like you mentioned, it wasn't like a game changer, but that opened certain doors for you. And I'm sure that many of our listeners are looking forward to opening certain doors, whether or not it might lead to a massive shift, uh, that small thing that you do in your life can definitely uh, pave uh, new avenues for you and really uh, change things for you. So thanks a lot for sharing that perspective with us today. Action Tribe, as you head out, take action in your life. Remember to be kind to yourself. Many of you have stumbled upon this path recently and if you put too much pressure on yourself to learn and, and grow, it defeats the whole purpose because you need to remember that nature is never in a hurry. The flower takes its own time to bloom and the caterpillar is never in a hurry to become a butterfly because Because if it's too fast, it might not be able to fly and the wings might not mature properly. Whenever you can, build your awareness of what is out there. In fact, keep a collection of articles or ideas or maybe podcast episodes to build your awareness. Because that's all uh, you can do so that when you have the right moment, you can dive deeper and learn more and expand your knowledge. The more awareness you have, the more conscious you become. And as the ancient Chinese Taoist philosopher Lao Tzu once said, The wise man is one who knows what he does not know. So, Tanea, what is your 
life's calling as of today. Life's calling as of today. Oh my goodness. I, I am so very passionate about helping people in their spaces because I know what a difference it can make in their lives. And so I am, I am living my passion and my calling and I'm so thankful to be able to do so every day. That's amazing. Now, as you look back at your life, was there ever a defining moment you know, it's so funny because there, there. I mean, have been many, but but the thing that instantly popped into my mind when you asked that is that when I graduated from college and um, was living in my first home that you know was ever really my space with some friends, and I, my mom gave me a housewarming gift, a book <laughs> called Feng Shui for Dummies, and that was really my very first exposure to Feng Shui, and it really was this defining moment because it allowed me to come to terms with a lot of um, a lot of the the issues I had around my childhood. My parents had divorced and all of these different things because I was able to read about feng shui and the way that you can look at a floor plan and the way that it can it can help you to live your life in a different way. And when I looked at the floor plan of the home in which I'd grown up in, it was missing the abundance area in its entirety. And the relationship areas had some funny things going on. And the health area was the, the toilet was in the very center of the home as this downward drain. And it was like this, um, this kind of breath of fresh air, like, oh, there were other forces at work that really created that. And it was this really defining moment for me because that's when I started my studies of feng shui and um, enabled myself to live in my space a little bit differently in order to transform my life in the ways that um, that I want to transform it. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing that with us. And we've now arrived at the last round for today, the wisdom round. And our listeners know that this round is all about taking some notes and taking action. So uh, the first question is, what is the best advice that someone's ever given you? You know, the best advice I've had is to focus on what you desire most, to focus on your joy. And we've mm-hmm. talked about that a little bit in terms of the the vibrational universe and how where you spend your energy is where you what you get more of in your life. But it's it's such a powerful practice to really come back to your joy whenever you find yourself kind of going down that rabbit hole of not feeling good. Oftentimes it's because you've been having a story in your head that's no longer true and it's in your subconscious. And when you can pull yourself back to your joy, it allows those subconscious stories to come into the, your conscious mind and that awareness is that really powerful first step to um, to living a more joyful existence in your daily life. So is there a personal habit that keeps you strong? You know, it really relates to that, to that returning to that state of happiness. And it is a practice. So it's a habit and it is you're, you're creating these new neural pathways. And so as you kind of practice more and more and create these neural pathways around your joy and feeling your joy, instead of going down that automatic path into not feeling good, you're creating literally new neural pathways. And as you do that more and more, it does become a habit. And um, and it's a really incredibly powerful habit that I recommend um, everybody do because the most important thing is for you to be in a state of alignment with yourself because that's when you can take inspired actions that allow that ease in your life, that allow you to feel like you're flowing downstream instead of paddling upstream. So how do you start your day? What is your morning routine like? Well, because I have kids, it doesn't exactly reflect what it, what it would if I didn't. But that being said, I do have some some very established morning routines and I've studied a bit in the Ayurvedic tradition and so I wake up and I scrape my tongue and I brush my teeth and I oil my nose and um, and then I drink two cups at least of warm water in order to allow myself to poop and flush those toxins from the day and so I'm really thinking about my physical body and flushing those toxins out as well as my space and allowing the toxins out of my space in the clutter. So that's the first thing that I do when I wake up. <laughs> sure. Uh, so name a book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I would recommend Money and the Law of Attraction, particularly in light of the things that we've talked about today. It's um, Esther Hicks and the teachings of Abraham. And for anybody out there who hasn't watched Esther Hicks on YouTube, it's a really wonderful experience. She's channeling the teachings of Abraham. And so it's kind of out there, depends on what your comfort level is with that sort of thing. But it's incredibly powerful stuff. You can YouTube her and watch any number of clips that will just really bring you back into alignment. But she has a book called Money and the Law of Attraction 
and I really recommend it for anybody who's out there thinking that they might have some money issues to work on in order to bring more abundance into their lives. So Action Tribe, I know how much you love our book recommendations and I know that many of you actually go out and purchase these books as soon as you hear them on our show. And that's why Audible.com is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out their amazing service. Now, Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or Kindle, including bestsellers like The Chakra System by Anadia Judith, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash MSC. Once again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash MSC. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E. T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash M-S-C for your free audiobook. So Tanea, thank you so much for joining us today. Right before we end today's session, tell us something that you are grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you. Mm, absolutely. You know, um, today I'm incredibly grateful for, um, I live up in the mountains and we got about a foot of snow in the last two days. And so I spent the morning out playing with my kids and shoveling and generally mm. enjoying the slower pace of life that that brings. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. And your listeners can find me at www.tpkfengshui.com. That's Tanea Plowman Kohler, tpkfengshui.com. And I have all kinds of great freebies and introductory um, ways to get to know me on my webpage. So certainly head over and visit. Wonderful. We'll have that link up in the show notes as well. And since you mentioned snow, I'd like to mention that uh, we have a lot of snow here in Vancouver. We don't normally have uh, snow in Christmas. I mean, we have like uh, snow for one or two days in Vancouver, but it's really a joke. (laughs) But this year we've got so much snow. And I think that's because of uh, an Arctic wind that's come this way. And so there's a lot of snow and a lot of people are happy here to have a white Christmas. But uh, yeah, uh, thanks a lot for sharing. Thank you for coming on our show and talking to us about feng shui and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you so much, AJ. That was a lot of fun. You were listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.